everyone. We are live. All right. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Doctrines of Brad. I'm Logan. This is Drew. And today our guest is Savannah Edwards. This is Savvy on TikTok. Savannah, do you mind just giving a quick introduction about yourself? Oh, gosh, this question. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I am. This is. Can y'all see my face on TikTok or no? Mm. No. No, if you go oh. on the bottom there, it has camera and mic. You can uh, hit the camera button. See if that'll allow it. There you go. There we go. There we go. Hey. See you. Introduction right. about me. Hi, I am Savannah. I forget people know my last name. So whenever I hear someone say my last name, I'm like, where did you get that information? It's everywhere. Fox News. I got <laughs> Tucker Carl. I, 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 I'm no kidding. Got it. I was like, I <laughs> So I, I want to I want to do the best I can at introducing and hosting people appropriately. And so I went and did a little research on you, and boom! As soon as I went to YouTube, Fox News, Fox News, watched oh, both clips about you. So you're you're kind of everywhere. You everywhere. You've made, you've made a lot of people. I'd say that you're a big deal. Yeah, kind of big I, I've deal. calmed down. It's calmed down a bit, thank goodness, because last year it was heavy. Yeah, yeah. Let, I mean, I haven't hit you back up because elections are like tomorrow, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I have not. I'm so unpolitical now at this point. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Savannah, how will you be voting? And you like, get that microphone out. Uh, in person. So my polling place is right down the street. So I figured <laughs> I just wake up election day and walk instead of driving to wherever my early location is like i don't i don't feel like figuring it out so just walk hey, brian, down the hey, street brian with you <laughs> you got to vote because if you don't vote then you can't complain there you go that's right i'm not so, gonna vote and i'm also not gonna complain tomorrow okay we'll be, I'm, I'm 31 years old and tomorrow will be the first time i've ever voted yes so before you judge me, I've been in the army for like ever. So I'm finally free. And I'm just how, like, how long oh. have you been? Wait a second. You said forever. Then how long have I, was I in? Did you vote? No, I'm not going to. Okay. Well now, so you're taking you, you that pendulum for you is swung. Completely I did vote. The, the last time I voted, the guy lost. That was the last election. <laughs> it's your fault. I know it's mid. Well, no, wait a second. It can't be. It's the the like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we all have our own version of a Brian. Um, yours is a cat in New Orleans. Um, Drew's is naked. It has no fur. Actually, what's your what's your cat's name? You have two of them. You have two naked cats. I have three naked cats. Na three. Three, yeah. three naked cats. Peter Parker, MJ, and uh, Harley Quinn. <laughs> And I have, I have this random cat that shows up on my my porch every now and then trying to like breed with my cats. Oh, wow. So that's, that's a thing. That's a threat, that's a, man. That's a, that's a thing. I got to go get them like spayed and neutered. Hashtag me too for the cats. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, Savannah, so you've gone through this great journey. When did you start TikTok? How did it first start to uh, explode for you? And then... Uh, at what point did it become like a necessity for you to make TikTok about your faith and your, I guess, your your stance politically? Because it, it's not all political. It's really just critical thinking. You just 
revealing common sense common sense yeah. in a lot of ways it kind of happened by accident um so i started making tiktoks summer 2020 just me about kind of being goofy and um just talking about my experience as a new orleans transplant mm. and uh a woman i came across on my for you page asked a question it was about melanesians are melanesians considered african and I was like, oh, I love conversations like this. Yeah. So I decided to answer the question and that led to people commenting in my comment section. And then she asked another question and I answered it. I don't remember what it was, but someone said something about how, when it comes to the subject of race, why people need to stay out of it. And I hate it. I hate when people say stuff like that because mm -hmm. there's no point in having a conversation if everyone in the room agrees nothing gets solved and if everyone's coming from the same perspective or right. if you're assuming everyone's coming from the same perspective based on how people look so i decided to answer or respond to that person and i gave an analogy about a door and people thought it was the most clever thing on the planet and i'm like no i, think I that's just the first kind of video i saw of you actually yeah and, and that one blew up out of nowhere and all of a sudden, people that I had been following, because I, you know, kind of a quiet conservative, you know, just kind of watching people. And all of a sudden, people I admire are following me now. And I'm like, what is happening? Where did all these people come from? And it kind of took off from there. It just kind of happened organically, I guess, from that one TikTok. Um, I think I just felt comfortable mm. speaking up and just... Mm. So, I don't know. So I just it just kind of happened, and then I did a TikTok responding to Alyssa Milano. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I didn't. You're like, look, I grew up with you. I'm from the '90s. Like, but you're the problem. You're that the wasn't problem. that wasn't supposed to go anywhere. I was laying in my bed like the next day, and a friend of mine from Charlotte texts me. She says, Ben Shapiro mentioned you on Facebook. I'm like, no, he didn't. That's crazy. Okay. No kidding. Like. <laughs> I saw two different black conservative YouTube channels have like taken that video of you like and used it as their talking point to like just explain to people like I, I hold the same view and I hate this like same just like description on race. Um, so I mean yeah like it's it's gotten everywhere. Once it starts hitting different platforms, um, like violin robin, like he's got stuff on Twitter that he he's not even on Twitter and it's like his videos there. Somebody else posted it, and it's just yeah. spreading. Like, yeah, when something goes viral, it goes. It's on. It doesn't matter what the platform you're on. It's going viral and all. It was everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dinesh D'Souza mentioned me, Stephen Crowder, and I'm like, holy crap! Okay, <laughs> why? Okay. You have why? to ask why. Me. Yeah, <laughs> why? Like, how how do you reconcile that? Like, why do you think? Uh, it was so prominent what you said over yeah. anybody else or what other people have said. And I'm like, well, first off, I need a haircut because I look like <laughs> 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 we got a haircut that weekend. It's like, oh, golly, I, I had to go viral with a rat's nest on my head. This is not. That's so funny. That's your awesome. Best, your best moments, right? I mean, at least you're, it's probably your most honest, most transparent moment that you have. Maybe that's, maybe that was the draw. It was just, you were in your natural state. You're feeling, you know, 
like yourself and and uh, people are like oh man there's just something genuine about that I don't know what people I still don't know what I don't get it it makes no none of it makes any sense to me I don't get it yeah like I'm with me every single day and I just don't get it yeah your your mom was really sweet when you like asked her like what is it like when you found out I'm become famous like what is what are your feelings and she said I'm just proud of you yeah, it was really yeah. sweet. Especially yeah. like New Orleans is. Are you, do you live by Bourbon Street? <laughs> no. No. I okay. could walk Bourbon Street if I wanted to. I mean, it's like a three mile walk. It's not difficult, but no. Okay. Yeah, I've never been. I lived. I was at Fort Polk, Louisiana, and I never got a chance to go to New Orleans. It's just. Yeah, the French Quarter I, is about. Yeah, about three-ish miles that way. So if I wanted to walk to the French Quarter, I could. I had done it before. I was bored one day and decided to walk to the French Quarter. It took me like three hours. How'd you get back? I walked. <laughs> I had nothing to do that day. I was like, there's six hours of your life. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. New Orleans is the first place that I had alligator. I've never eaten alligator, alligator before until I got to New Orleans. Yeah, it was same. I'd never had it before. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I I would want to taste it again because I feel like it was a while ago. But I, if I remember it, it was it was uh, it, first of all it was fried, so it had its crispy outside. Uh, and then I felt like it was a little bit a little chewier than a steak, but almost a different texture. It's very hard to describe, though, right? There's really nothing like it. If a chicken had dignity and class, that's mm. what alligator tastes like. <laughs> it's the best way alligator, I can describe the it. Other Mama said chickens are so grumpy because they have so many teeth but no toothbrush. Mama said. (laughs) Oh man! All right, Savvy. So, question: When did your, I guess, conservative take on things begin to like, I guess, manifest? Where you're, you're using, I guess, where you're developing arguments? Where you're, when you, you are building this, I, I don't want to say identity, but this position. Um, that you have now, when did that all start happening for you? I've always been an analytical thinker. Okay. Well, when my mom, my mom said, you're anal retentive, I think is what I was saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you think it too much. Savannah, it's, it's not that complicated. That's but right. yeah, I, I was always I had a mind that likes to break things down and figure out the why. But the conservative part came gradually after I came to Christ. Um, mm-hmm. And I just started God, 2006. Wow. Congratulations. Okay. Man, that's awesome. That's April 9th, stuff. 2006. Dang. Look at that. And then so from, so from a biblical worldview, you started seeing mm. everything else. Okay. That's refreshing to hear, actually. Yeah. A lot of times people read their politics into scripture versus reading scripture and then their politics fall. Yeah. My political understanding of things before that was just very shallow, just very, you know, social issues. The things mm-hmm. that an 18 year old, because I was 18 going on 19 when I came to Christ. So things that were important to an 18 year old, which is not, you know, gas prices. I was a college student. Like, where was I going? Um, economics, <laughs> not, not stuff like that. So it's just the social issues of things. So abortion gay rights, stuff like that. And then after coming 
to Christ and studying the Bible and starting to spend more time with God. I say it was more so spending time with God and just starting to see things through his perspective that I started to see things just a little bit differently. And I actually started to pay attention to more things that otherwise I was ignoring. And that was a journey in of itself, um, reconciling what it means to be a Christian at the ballot box that I can bring my faith with me when I vote. Yeah, I love that. But there, there was a moment where I had to answer like really hard questions in the Old Testament. It's like, well, it says God commanded or God did this. And it's very clear, and even in the Hebrew, and it's like, well, why would God do that? And I had to ask myself, like, if he's good, he's holy, then there's a reason for it. And he does all, all things really good of those who he was called for according to his will. So. I mean, at some point, you got to understand, like him wiping out, having the Israelites wipe out the Canaanites, like genocide, like that, that seems evil to the eyes of an atheist. But what if it's a mercy, right? Like that the world doesn't have to be, like, for example, the blood story says their hearts were wicked continuously. Right? It was a mercy to the rest of us that that is not something that we're dealing with today. Because imagine if that just continues to progress and progress and progress yeah. and worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, so, so when you look at like if you look at everything in Scripture that God is good and all things that He does that He is perfect and holy, it kind of puts things into perspective for everything else around you. Like, okay, so how does how do I translate my biblical worldview to other things that I do um, throughout my day to day life, right? And trusting God in the process, which really does dive down in politics. I've been canceled on TikTok because of me taking a hard stance. I'm like, ah, um, this isn't what God wants, man. I don't think we should agree with this. And then once once you say no to this particular group of people, it's, you're kind of kind of shunned. So I, mean, I don't know. Have you have you been canceled? Have you? I don't think they can cancel you. <laughs> you, you have so much backing. I mean, I've been banned, permanently banned twice, gotten back both times. I think you can only really get canceled if you allow yourself to get canceled, yeah. if you allow yourself to kind of go into the shadows. Like Andrew Tate, for instance, who got banned on every platform, but then he went to Rumble. So, I mean, I think he's doing just fine for someone who's been canceled. Like, right. yeah, I can't here. I can still do what I want and speak my mind and build my platform. I'm just going to do it somewhere else. Yeah, what, did, what did Matt Walsh say? He was like, I reject your cancellation of me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's not going to happen. Sorry, I refuse to be canceled. He is you such know. a troll. I love him. <laughs> Have you had a chance to meet him or any of the guys over there? I haven't met anyone from the Daily Wire. That that would be nuts. Yeah. But Well, who who have you got have had a chance to meet? You said you met Stephen Crowley? I've not met Steve Crowder, but I have okay. talked to his dad. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So his dad is super cool. Um, we talk every once in a while. Um, Brandon Tatum. I don't know if you know who he is. Oh, yeah. Listen. Yep. I've been on his podcast a couple of times. Oh, nice. Um, from PragerU, Amala Equinobi. Yep. We met on his po- podcast. Um, Megan Kelly, I did a podcast, one of her podcasts. Oh, wow. Jeez. I cannot pronounce his name for the life of me, but he is Megan McCain's husband. His first name's Ben. Can never remember his last name, but I did a segment on Fox News with him last summer. Jeez. 
That was fun. Was the segment specifically on the on the viral video, or was it something else trying to bring out your opinion? I don't remember what that thing was about. It all happened super quick. Oh no. <laughs> um, it was that was interesting because the first time I did Fox News, I did it in my bedroom. And I yeah. just set up a table in my iPad, actually, wherever it is, and did it that way. Um, and then the second time I was on Fox News, they actually got a car for me and drove me out to a studio here in New Orleans. Wow. And I did it that way. And that was pretty cool. Is that how the other half lives? Where they like they pick you up? And we'll be there at nine. Be ready. Yeah. Because they That's asked me, awesome. is that, can, can you drive there or do you want us to get you a car? I said, well, can you get me a car? I don't know what parking <laughs> looks like over there and parking in New Orleans is, is weird. Yeah, so and they're like, yeah, we can get you a ride. car. And I'm like, okay. So that is crazy. What is, wow. So how how have you felt like your your faith has grown over the last, say the, the course of your, your little 15 minutes or of, of fame or so, right? Like you, you, however long this lasts for you, what is, uh, what has changed about your faith or have, have you found yourself like stripping things away? Like, Oh, I used to really put a lot of trust in this. I used to, you know, I, I'm just curious on the, the spiritual side of your journey here. My faith has not been affected so much by everything I've experienced with social media, but more so things outside of that, because mm right in the middle, right when things were starting to pick up with social media, out of nowhere, that was never the plan. Um, I'd only been living in New Orleans for about a year. Mm. And the journey here was already rough and mm. dealing with things in my faith there and going through periods where I'm like, I am so in love with God to I am so mad at God and I don't want to talk to God. God, will you talk to me? I really mm. don't want to talk to you today at all. Well, can we just talk for a little bit? And so just, and then on top of social media, where all I want to do is talk. Mm -hmm. And, but I think with social media, my faith has reminded me to stay humble mm. and to remind me of who I am in Christ and what my character is. And it always just stay as true to me as possible because that's the hard part. It's so easy to get a big head. It's so easy to get out of your own character and to really forget what matters and what yeah. grounds you and what keeps you centered. So even in those moments where I just feel disconnected from God, just remember that God still loves me no matter what. I am his. And just as quickly as he gave this to me, he can't take it away. So stay humble and keep him at the center. And to the best of my ability, point people in that direction and be as authentic as possible. Yeah, that's a big one. Being authentic, being yourself. Yeah, we've all seen, we've seen the, the unfortunate stories of people that kind of start on this journey and they start proclaiming God and then they, they get really arrogant and start building a brand. And then it really becomes about, you know, so many different things and they, they end up misleading a lot of people. They, they get paid money to go speak at churches, but they end up really not really preaching the gospel. They're just telling their stories or talking about themselves and getting all these love offerings, man. It's just, I I've seen it happen so many times on social media. It always makes me sad. And that's why I pray for, for you savvy is that you uh, can stay, grounded and and humbled there and that if you are given those opportunities that you would use use them to to glorify our our heavenly father our creator who has given us all this you know 
Man. All this experience we couldn't have, you know, without. I try. It's tough <laughs> because bet. it's all about me in a yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, everything I do is about me and building my platform. And so it, it can be very tempting and easy to just push God aside. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, to live as Christ and to die as gain. It's really hard to just make that your absolute, absolute when you're being bombarded with distraction constantly. Yeah. Everything in this world, you know, seeking relationships and seeking, you know, wealth or seeking the next step in whatever your goals are. All those things, although may be good, right? They're not inherently wicked. They oftentimes just distract us from what, what's truly important. Yeah. So I, it's just balance and constant. I have to constantly remind myself. I have to do two things every single day. Uh, and I fail I fail at one of them more than the other. I, being in scripture as much as possible, and I fail at that more than, and then just reminding myself of the cross because I get inside my own head and I overthink things. I can be real anal retentive as well, right? I just overthink everything. Um, and it, it's just a reminder that if, if I have been bought with a price, there is no longer I who live, the Christ who lives in me then I, I, my identity is found again. I can, I can rest in that assurance. And then just go and try to move the kingdom every day. It's, it's difficult, though, because I, I try to move me like all the time. Like, like Drew, didn't you read, like, Drew recently deleted his TikTok because, I mean, he, he got he got up to, what, 200,000 followers? I, I just hit 200,000, yeah. And, and you, you, you felt like it was just like an idol. Oh, it was a total it's, idol, man. It was all about, like, I just found myself just kind of judging other people by how many followers they had. Like, I was like, that's not a good place to be when you feel like you're, like, considering people to be better than they are because of their follower count or anything like that. It's like, um, but there was that temptation. And that's kind of what I was thinking, like, with my question, too, Savvy, is like, what kind of temptations have come there? Like, there's got to be in some way there's got to be like overt kind of temptations and then there's like the covert ones that you're not really sure but like i would say for me it was just the again like the consider myself better than others was a thing that i was feeling you know and uh, i would also i would feel like oh well i could just if i just said this i know i would get a good response i know i would get a lot of clicks a lot of likes a lot of views uh but at you know it just felt like at some point i was just doing it for that reason so what is it for you the temptation for me is just to just pop off um, oh really you're so kind yeah <laughs> you, you say things so sweetly and you say it just like that so with aggression or attitude it's so funny because people who know me in person would say I'm incredibly blunt. I have no tact and I'm oh, wow. abrasive. Um, and I am very much so. I'm very proud of it. Uh, I, I'm the one that I will be the bad guy. I don't care. Uh, mm. Like if Maybe you that's me why you're so confident on social media is because you actually can harness it. Yeah. Where you, you're thinking about it, you're being thoughtful thoughtful with it and it's so that's why it's so impactful is because it's it's harnessed it's harnessed brutality you know it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah there are a couple times i've like watched something back it's like that does not you know what we're just gonna say it we're gonna say it exactly that i said what i said and i meant it that way we're not gonna mince words yeah 
Like, we'll see what happens. And then five minutes later, I forget that I posted something. Then I'll get a text from somebody. I love what you just said. And I'm like, what did I say? Oh, no. Because <laughs> like, you're just, on display now because you're kind of like everybody's watching. So yeah. do you feel like you've had to – do you have to be thought more thoughtful with the things that you post now? Or do you still feel like you have the original freedom before you were kind of like this internet fan? Oh, no. Um, yeah. Having a larger platform, I have to be more careful. Not because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but this app is just so dang sensitive. Yeah. And – um, I have a lot more to lose if something were to shut down. Whereas, yeah, sure. you know, seven months ago when I only had maybe 500, 700,000 followers, um, I felt like I had a little more freedom to kind of do what I wanted where I could yeah. say something outrageous and then I would lose like two, three, 4,000 followers, but then I'd mm -hmm. gain like two, three, 4,000 followers and it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, I have no idea what my follower count. I know I'm like at a million, but I don't know what the exact number is. I think I stopped looking once I hit a million. Like, yeah. Yeah. What do you do know. after that? Right. Like, yeah, I'm like, I hit a million followers. That's cool. Anyways, but, no, anyway. there's just a lot more to lose. And I hate that because I want to just say whatever I want, whenever I want. I just want to just speak the absolute truth at all times, but you can't do that on TikTok. Yeah. 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 What, what other plat? Are you on other platforms? Yeah. If you guys, I have a, if you guys go to YouTube, she has the This Is Savvy uh, YouTube channel, right? And you also have yeah. a podcast as well. I have a podcast. The podcast is like on hiatus because I really don't know what I want to do with it. But I do Aww. have a Substack, <laughs> which is where I really do kind of say all the things that I can't say on TikTok because you know yeah. you'll get, you'll get oh. banned if you say the sky is blue. So that's true. That's. You know, at what point do you have to like, do you just say like, look, I mean, I feel like I'm at the point where I'm just going to say whatever and just get banned and then come back and get banned again. You know, it's like, is that, is that a risk or is that a, you know, do you think that's worth doing it too? Is just don't even really worry about building up a following, just say the truth, get blocked, come back on, do it again. You know, as long as you're saying the truth, it's the truth, right? I wish I could, but this whole thing has become a source of income. Not so much well, TikTok. I, I don't you. trust a creator yeah. fund at all. Yeah, no, I got but, out of that too when I was. Right. No, yeah, that makes sense though. So, it so let's, let's continue to speak wisely to like you. You have been a blessing in my life, right? Like mm -hmm. you, you, you know, seriously. Like so, during quarantine, everything that was going on in the with the riots and stuff, and everything that happened in twenty twenty. Um, your channel and then other led me to other channels. It was like, man, there's, there's people out here and speaking out about certain things. And I was like, why am I, I, I was, actually, I started TikTok thinking I was going to do like a motivational speak, like, like little <laughs> motivational tidbits in a minute. Yeah, for people. Yeah. That it was, it was you and a few others that like, I, I saw your TikToks. And I'm like, I need to do better. And immediately <laughs> I was like, I, there's one thing I want to talk about, which is Christ. And it just like, well, that put me in my own little, category and i went down the, the algorithm rabbit hole so try not to for, for me specifically and everybody watching you, you really need to break outside of your algorithm to to reach people because it becomes a lot of group think and people saying the same things and arguing and just kind of gets mundane it's like another person fighting about something somebody said you know, yeah today. yeah and being but, black on tiktok helps because i can get away with a little bit more yeah, there you go. <laughs> what, uh, so, what is your how, how, 
I want to know what Savvy's for you page is like. Like, what are what are some of the things when you're flipping through? What are you, are you seeing? <laughs> videos? Are you seeing is, gardening is it, videos? Is it a lot of film? Like, didn't you say recently it's like relationship stuff? Okay, the last couple of days, it's it's been everybody who is in their 30s and single and sad about it, which I am, but I don't need a support group. But the algorithm knew. Oh, it knows you yeah. so well. Lord Algorithm. Thirst traps, <laughs> which I'm fine with, honestly, because I have no eye candy here in the city of New Orleans. So that's what TikTok is for. Oh, my. Tell me it's not Christian uh, men creators with their shirts off, though. That's the worst. No, uh, like, no right? I'm already. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, And horses. <laughs> oh, yeah. My wife gets um, horse talk a lot. I like horse talk. It really makes me think I could live on a farm and take care of a horse. Like I don't even keep my room clean. <laughs> so, so, so this has happened twice where my wife has watched me and I'm looking at my phone with this like look on my face, like very serious, just staring at my phone. She's like, what are you watching? And it's videos of these guys like ripping off horseshoes and like cleaning oh, out yeah. the hooves. And it's that and pimples. Like, I, I hate to say that, but like, I'll be, I'll be like, oh, I, I got, and I'll even fast forward sometimes just to get to the end. I want to see it completely, like, taken out. Man, yeah, like, those will draw you in. I want to see, yeah. like, the, the beginning to end product. Probably what about you, Drew? What's... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask probably... you, what? what... <laughs> There's a lag. Okay, Savvy, go. Yeah. No, I was going to say probably the most controversial thing that ends up on my For You page is every couple weeks I end up on the kinkier side of TikTok. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. And I love that side of TikTok because those are the most self-aware men and women on the planet. They'll answer any question you have, and they're very entertaining. And honestly, they're less yeah. raunchy than the thirst traps. Oh, man. And so it's like, okay, I'm in a completely different world than I'm used to, but I'm going to learn a little bit about myself while I'm here until my algorithm gets right. So I may what, as well what, take notes. I wonder what causes that. Like I've seen that too, or like right now currently, it's like sports stuff. Not, not that I don't watch sports, but it's like picking up a lot. And I don't know if it's like things that are going on in culture and are like in the American society today that are increased. Like I thought I would get more political stuff with both with the voting ending tomorrow, right? That's um, what I thought too, but no. And it, just, it, it's like I've been distracted from voting as if not to, ooh, that's to interesting. prevent me from voting. No, seriously, I thought about that today. I got a huh. letter in the mail and it said Biden um, and some other Democratic uh, people who are running in uh, Georgia, it said they don't want you to remember to vote, so go vote, right? And I was thinking about it. I was like, man, I actually haven't. Mm. I, I really better remember to go tomorrow because I keep I kept forgetting all last week because I got busy yeah. at work, right? So I wish I, I could have it. that instead of hey, if this is on your for you page, you're lonely. Like, <laughs> I get the you've been scrolling too long. That's the one. Hey, that yeah. I, I get those all the time. Uh, I like what Erica said in the comments. She says that. Uh, my, by me asking Zavi what her FYP was like, that's like the most intimate question I can ask. I forget <laughs> we're in like social media, you know, the world is different now with social media. You kind of, that's like, it used to be you couldn't ask a lady how old she was. That was the, the old trope is like, you never ask a lady to reveal her age. Now it's, uh, you don't ask a lady what's on her for you page, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, so like, 
like for me, like I have Dave Chappelle and a ton of comedians on my for you page. Comedians, uh, people, I do people, too. But people wouldn't assume that I listen to like Dave Chappelle and stuff because I don't. I, I love Dave Chappelle too. I do. I love Dave Chappelle. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I love Dave Chappelle, man. Okay, well that, that makes me feel better because yeah, don't, don't people, worry about it. They're There's like, like you, you watch Dave Chappelle. I watch. I listen watch, to that kind of music. Here? I like Andrew Schultz. I like Joe Rogan. I like Chappelle. I like Mark Norman. I think he's freaking hilarious. There's some there's Sebastian Maniscalco. All those guys, dude. My my for you page, uh, Giannis Papas. He's really funny too. He's got a new special out. Um, I I love stand up comedy, dude. I want to do it one day when I'm when I get you a little. Try bit, yeah, I do. I want to try it. <laughs> I really do. I just want to give. I want to go to an open mic with a bit. I want to write it and just see if I bomb, I bomb, and it's okay because it's like, all right, I couldn't do it, you know. But like, what if, what if I go and it's the most hilarious set that anybody's ever seen, you know? It could. I. Why would I deprive the world of that opportunity? Oh, Beth, yeah, deprive that. Well, even if it did, as long as you felt good about it, like, yeah, man, I was bucket list. You check it right. out. Yeah, check it out. Good to go. But I might be also amazing at it. It's totally possible. So I want to at least know if I'm amazing at it or not. You know. So, so Savvy, this has popped up a few times in the comments. This is Savvy, you live? I never you go, go live. You never go live. Nothing about my life is interesting. Like, what do you do? Me try we, to cook an omelet? Like, no. I, I feel <laughs> insulted. We invited you on here to know about your life. <laughs> she said what, to try and cook an omelet? Oh, man. No, well, so, the, the I, real reason we had you on here is to boost our viewership. But no. Negative. negative. Now, I, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time, and I'm, I'm so glad that you took the time out of your day. You've been trying to get me on here for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Logan does that. He he schedules people all the time. <laughs> I forget about it. Like, oh, yeah, they're on Halloween. <laughs> Halloween's a holiday. Like, We're having oh, a yeah. Halloween show, and you know, I know, I know, not all Christians celebrate Halloween, but this one does. This one at least trick or treats. We don't celebrate Halloween; it's Reformation Day, really. Yeah, but, yeah, know, yeah. We still do trick or treat. Um, I do have a question from uh, Marissa for Savvy. She says, uh, "I know that you're active in church. I'm wanting to get more involved with the children at church. What would be a good stepping stone into it? Small parties, game nights? Question mark." Children's church, just serve like on whatever your weekend looks like for church, whether you have like a Saturday, Sunday, whatever the rotation is, get involved in like their children's church and get to know a lot of the leaders, coordinators and the staff over whatever that area is. I say staff because I've only been at large churches the last couple of years. So Mm. I don't know what any of that looks like at a medium to small size church. Like I don't yeah. know anymore. You live that mega life now. You got to go to a mega church. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Were you at Hillsong? Were you at Hillsong? Elevation. Elevation. <laughs> there, there is, it, it, there's always, an, from what I've experienced, regardless of the size of the church, there is always a need for children's ministry, for that influx of parents to come in and out. Because obviously we want people to be able to drop their kid off. They're in a safe environment people are going to take care of them, make sure that they, you know, they're, they're being fed, that they're being, you know, cleaned and all that good stuff. Um, but it also gives them time to just sit in church and worship with the body um, and, and not have to think about their, 
like hope, hopefully my child's being taken care of. Yeah. And, then, and luckily, hopefully there's a, a serious vetting process that goes through. So for our yeah, church, it was I mean, one, one we had, <laughs> yeah, we had security, we had classes we had to go through, um, mm. like signs of like, uh, you know, some kind of uh, trauma going on at home, stuff like that. Um, and then, so you, even if you're, you're dropping your kid off, you still need to be somebody that's coming in. And even if you don't have kids, it helps to be a part of that process to, to at least do once every two months. That's yeah. huge help to the church. It for always, people that have never, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just saying it always was for us. Yeah. For people that have never served in like children's ministry at their church, again, that I've only done mega church stuff. So I did elevation for, I was there for what, six years before I moved. And then I'm at a church right now and I serve in their youth ministry and I do serve in children's church there. Um, I did a little bit of children's church at Elevation when I was bored with youth ministry. Well, not bored with, but when I wasn't doing youth ministry. Um, here's the thing I think a lot of people don't understand when it comes to, especially if you have like a medium to large size church, is, I mean, you can have a shortage of greeters. You can have a shortage of ushers and you can work with that. You cannot have a shortage of kids in, I mean, people in youth ministry because, there are certain laws and regulations that go along with caring for children that also get passed on to the church. So ratios with respect to certain ages and the yeah. younger they are, the more people you need. When yeah. I worked at a daycare for every five babies, you needed one teacher. So imagine even for a Sunday, even if it's for, for a couple of hours, you might have a two to one ratio. So keeping people in children's church is the hardest because there's always a shortage and that shortage causes burnout so people mm. are leaving so if you're like yeah. i love to serve with children i promise you your church needs it yeah, yeah our, our church is small uh we only have about 400 and uh we have a huge need for children's ministry uh that's probably the largest aside from the congregation it's like the largest ministry in the church um i want to talk about elevation for a minute if we could that would be okay. awesome um, sit up for that one there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay hold on oh. i want to hear her i want to hear what she's heard about her church well that's kind of what i wanted to ask is i mean elevation's pretty controversial steven steven furtick has taken some criticism uh he's gotten some backlash for some things that have gone viral and so i want to know just from an insider perspective like what the elevation experience is was, was really like as a believer, because, you know, I only hear the bad stuff on the outside. So here's the thing about mega church. Um, when your church gets that large, it's easy to fall out of your faith because everything's moving like this. Oh, wow. Boom, 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 boom. So for, for, the who, about, the, the, for the congregation or for the staff and the pastor? For the, the entire church. Wow. It's everything moves. Boom, 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 like boom, a boom, business, boom. right? It's like an organism. Yeah. When you get that large, you have to run it like an organization. You have to wow. run it like a business just to keep things intact. And Elevation blew up really quickly, really fast. Very quickly. Um, and they weren't expect they were they had mega church goals, but not that quickly. Mm. Um they they hit mega church status within like a year, year and a half. Like very very quickly yeah and 
this is something that's always been funny to me when I served at Elevation is we always have these interns come in and they're either fresh out of high school, they're still in college, and they're always from somewhere else. They've never attended Elevation. They've only seen Elevation on TV or on their computer. They've, you know, listened to Elevation worship. So they have the, um, the finished product of Elevation, of what's on a weekend, okay? They have the, the beautiful picture Happy of Elevation. Presentation. Yeah. Yeah. They have the presentation. They don't have the work. Yeah. Right. And they come in and they're so excited to be a part of the presentation. Mm. And I remember telling one kid, he's like, I'm just so excited to be here. What this church is doing. I said, you understand you're about to step into a clock, right? He's like, what? Yeah. I'm like, you know how you've seen a watch and how it looks pretty on the face, but you've never really seen the inside. You've never seen the clockwork, son. This is clockwork. Keep up or get out. We don't have time. Wow. We got to move. We got to move. We got to move. And I served at the largest campus, so the broadcast location. So that's what I was used to. Um, Jeez, Louise. And I think that's, I think I have, according to my mom, I have ADHD. And I asked her one time, I was like, why didn't you get me diagnosed? And she said, I need to get you diagnosed. I'm your mama. I'm like, that kind of makes sense. I love it. But I think so moving that fast, I was used to it and I loved it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But the inside of elevation. Hmm. Because my last few months there were rough. Mm. It was just a lot of transition that happened really fast because mm. youth ministry went downhill real quick really? and yeah um you'd never know but because when elevation rhythm came out is when Ele elevation youth went downhill huh. and we had a they just lose like people lost interest or the teachers were like how does that happen what happened was, is you have, here's the thing with mega church staff members is that mega church staff members, because people get it, it's, how do I, how do I make this make sense? Is you run the mistake of hiring egos and not people. Yeah. And then those egos hire egos. And then those egos will hire people who don't have egos, but who are easy to manipulate. And okay. who aren't going to challenge them or rise above them. And I think you can find that at any church, but at mega church, it can be very yeah, yeah. dangerous because everything's larger. Yeah. And that kind of happened with youth ministries is people got too big for their own britches. Their heads got a little too big. Um, they got too filled with their own power that they weren't willing to share it. So when they were bringing people in to do something, a, a position, they would hire somebody less than them, not someone that could rise above them. And that's kind of what happened with Elevation Youth without like giving away too many details and trying of to like, malign anyone's names. Of course. Um, but that's pretty much what happened is uh, you had people who lost sight of what was important and didn't want to fall. Yeah. Uh, and instead they fell. Ethically. Kind of it's kind of like the way that revivals used to work where people would just show up out of nowhere and be like, I just have to be here. Like there's this revival going on. I have to move. I got to bring my family. It's almost like these mega churches are uh, miniature revivals and they actually build a foundation of a building and an organization uh, because of all the people that it brings in, but it doesn't always bring in the right amount of like the right kind of people 
there are a lot of people that chase a brand or chase the the internet time or the you know the screen time uh so i man i mean i think of the old tent revivals you know th think of all the swindlers that used to hold their old tent revivals back then and now that it's all produced and it's all online like there are so many more of those type of people but it they look like everyone else now because they they're just on tiktok or they're just at yeah. this church doing this or whatever it's wow that's crazy i just had a real crazy like epiphany moment there i'm gonna write this down <laughs> yeah so i mean i love elevation church whenever i go back to charlotte i attend so i have no issues with the church itself it's just certain people that i'm like if i ever see you on the street it's on site but <laughs> love you so much. catch me outside how about that yes exactly so it's a good house it's a solid house um i love the way it's structured because that multi-site structure, each location really acts as its own church because Charlotte is such a diverse area, not just diverse in terms of skin color and all that jazz, but each part of Charlotte really is its own little town with its own culture, its own demographic. And so each campus, although there is kind of a uniform culture, really gets to cater to that demographic. So I love that model of it. Um, and I think that's also kind of what happened with youth ministry. You brought somebody in from the outside who really didn't understand that you can't treat this campus like that campus. Mm. And that yeah. became a problem. Well, and yeah, the churches have their own unique culture. I think that's kind of, that's what I'm finding. Uh, so uh, I'm a youth pastor at my church and I've been, I've been on staff now for about three months. Uh, we've been at the church for about a year and it's uh, it is definitely like our body, our local body is its own culture. We have our own demographics. We have our own kind of way about going. And I think that's what the Lord really wants us to focus on when we are in these bodies is to be, uh, you know, of one mind on one accord with each other, because that's how the spirit kind of moves. And I think that's how God continues to, uh, you know, leaven the whole lump of his kingdom. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, he's spreading it out, getting the message out. And it's coming, it comes from these, you know, micro relationships and these families, and then these local church bodies that, that just kind of continue to grow and get to know each other. So I've always been like, I, I would have a hard time at a mega church because for me, I need, like I need, because I have a large family, I need that connection. I need that local town, you know, down home connection, see your neighbors at the grocery store sort of thing, see the people that you go to church, you know, that sort of thing. So is that not, that's so funny to me. So that you are not about that life at all. No, I'm incredibly introverted. I'm an introverted singleton. So elevation was I'm perfect, introverted. believe it or not. Well, that's, wow. Well, okay. I get it for, I'm pretty introverted too, but I just choose not to like, I mean, I know I'm the youth pastor, but I, I don't interact very, I've had to go outside of my shell just to like be a, you know, like I'm serving the Lord. So I'm trying to be like a good, a good steward in his, in his church. Yeah. So, so uh, if there's wow. anyone that's listening, that's ever wanted to try a mega church, but you might be very introverted. You think, I don't know if I can do that. Let me tell you something about being at a mega church and being an introvert. It is so easy to go un go in unseen. Oh yeah, right. absolutely. It's even so serving. easy to be, yeah, even serve. It's so easy to be invisible, but you will get to a point where they do recognize you and they remember you. Cause I remember I would sit there cause I'd get there super early. Cause I got, cause I learned that when pastor Stephen preached, I listened, I, I listened to what he was saying. I paid attention as long as I was sitting like front and center where he could see me, not that I needed him to see me, but I needed the illusion that he could see me. So I can't act up. Mm. It, 
it worked for me. I had, I had, got it. Got I had to figure it. Yeah. So I would get there super early, like an hour and a half early before the 1130 because it was necessary yeah. at the okay. time. Um, it was absolutely necessary. And I'd get there and I'd have my book with my hoodie over my head, my earbuds in, and people would still want to have a whole conversation with me. So you'll get to that <laughs> point. But if you're like, I'm introverted, I don't think I could deal with the crowds. It is so easy to just slip into crowds and go about your business unseen, even as an attendant, so mm. as an attendee, as a person serving, it's so easy to just go about unseen, which oh, yeah. sounds yeah. sad, but if that's your jam, it's perfect. And it was my mm. jam for a very long time to, till I got to a point where I wanted to build my own mm. community. And it's easy to do that at a mega church because there's something for everybody. Mm. Yeah. So but, you, as a, you, you as a New Orleans implant, are you, did you just move to a, a different campus in New Orleans? Mm -mm. So the story of me in New Orleans. Okay, so that's a whole story. I've talked about it on my TikTok before, but it's been a long time. I say maybe two so years. Since I've got you. So it has nothing to do with the church. Mm -mm. Okay. Well, no. So Not over. what had happened was, is I actually came here with a group of people to plant a church. Mm. But then COVID happened and it was seven of us, three couples, and then myself, the singleton, because I'm always a singleton. Mm. Um, and I am the only one that's still here. Wow. Huh. You just felt like the Lord said, no, you're not, you, you don't need to go back. You need to be here. There's nothing for me to go back to. That door wow. shut the moment mm. I left. Um, God wow. really, so everything that happened with youth ministry that I was talking about before, because I was heavy, yeah. heavy mm. involved in youth ministry. Yeah. Like had a lot of access, um, huge reputation. I could anything I wanted, I could probably get. Like I was in it, very much in it. So you talking about in you want like what's it like behind the scenes inside? I can give you that. <laughs> um and then once everything kind of like fell, our campus, my campus being Valentine, got hit the hardest for no reason. And that was the hardest part. Mm. But it was around that time that New Orleans really started to kind of come up and God really used that situation where everything fell and it was it was devastating. It was hard. It was painful to really ease me out and transition me out like it's time to go. Yeah. It's time to step down from here to let go of this because I'm moving you into the next thing because once yeah. you're, this is done, that's done. So. Th the decision to stay in New Orleans wasn't a hard one because I'm like, there's nowhere to go. Mm. I can't I can't go back to Charlotte. There's nothing what that would be so I can't reopen a door that God has closed. That would just cause me more devastation. Right. So Wow. I mean That's it a just very makes logical sense. way to look at it. It's very like matter of fact, like this is or not even matter of fact, just a very poignant way to kind of see that experience wow. and be like, no, yeah. it's I'm here now and well, I wish I could accept things from the Lord that easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did it. It's done. Here we are. What's next? Open that. Well, up. he doesn't make it easy for me because I love mm. how God is very specific in how he talks to his children. Like he knows exactly how to talk to people. And he knows that I have to make it very clear for this one or she's going to walk that way. Yeah. So he made it very clear. This door is shut. And if mm. I make it clear for her, she'll listen. Mm. So, yeah, okay. he definitely knows how to speak to us uh, for sure. That's. Uh, that's half the battle, and then the other half is a, is the obedience. <laughs>
so you're in New Orleans. Um, you're you're a film major, right? Mm-hmm. Or you've studied film. I studied. Yep. Well. The, yeah, studied film. So technically my degree is in media studies with a concentration in media writing. So I learned how wow. to write screenplays um, for radio and broadcast television, which radio is kind of going by the wayside, but that's yeah, what you said, some, you said something in your most recent video about, uh, what is it, the pray, pray for the devil? Mm -hmm. uh, that, so this happened for me when I started studying how to preach. Uh, it's hard for me to listen to preachers preach without like evaluating them like i wonder why you went here i wonder why you use that verse versus like a comparison verse like why are you taking this application this way i would have gone and i i have to really like pull myself back and not do that and just kind of enjoy the moment of just like listening so and i think you said that in the film now that you've studied film it's hard for you to just sit back and enjoy the film yeah right? can't do it yeah. I, haven't been in a film yeah. I haven't been in a film class since 2009 and I still, from the moment it starts, I'm breaking everything down. Yeah. Cause wow, that's how I was taught. Hey, look out for this. Look out for that. When you get to this part, think about this, look down, think about that. This is what Poor this means. This is what that would, yeah. Everything. So is it, is that a sign that there's that the creativity in that industry is waning? Like is if you can't like, if there's nothing that's being produced that you're like, when you watch, you're like, oh, why did they do it that way? That's not supposed to be that way, but that's still artistic and right and creative. Like, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be why you want to study film so that you could like find new ways in order to, to, uh, to display or demonstrate something or show the same emotion or whatever? Like, I think, you know how, Yeah. I think that's the way people go into it thinking that I'm going to create something new. But the thing is, there's nothing new under the sun. I was, I was hoping you were going to say that. And as much as people want to create this new concept, the psychology of human beings is always mm -hmm. there. So certain decisions that are made, it's just innate almost. So the next time you watch the Chronicles of Narnia, I'm going to break something down for you. So cool. you know oh, yeah. the scene. Do you know the scene where, you know, they're playing hide and seek and pull up a picture right now on your phone, whatever you're doing on your computer. I want you to pull up a picture so you can find one of the Pevensey kids right when they're playing hide and seek. And I want you here, to look at their clothes on the screen here on, YouTube. on the screen. Actually, we just watched this the other day with my daughter. It was the first time watching Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, I'm just probably, trying, to I'm, trying to indoctrinate her early. As you should. <laughs> So I'm probably you probably sit down and you so, watch this movie and enjoy Aslan and all that jazz, right? I do. Oh, what are you what are you gonna ruin for me? So what is does C.S. Lewis really do? What's the do clothing? You? Is it a scene specifically I'm looking for? See if you can find a picture of the Pevensey kids right when they're about their when they're about to play hide and seek. Because you know it's like it's raining outside and she's reading from the dictionary and you can see their clothes. Okay. Um oh, I oh think this this is gonna be good. Okay, I think this might be it. I'm gonna pull it up on here, and you tell me if this is the one. Let's see. Uh, present, share screen, a Chrome tab. I'm pulling it up. There we go. Nope, that's not it. Share. Is this picture? Look on that's the them. YouTube. That's them running down the hallway. She's saying they're like sitting and reading the dictionary. Oh, they're sitting and reading. Boy, yeah, she, they're like, 
Okay. Is that, is that that's not the same type of that's not the clothing that they're in? That's right. No, that's not it. Okay. Uh you see anything else on the screen? There's not a lot of images. I don't know why it's not showing me a lot of images. It's because it's duck duck go. Well, there's a video of it here. Let's see I can there you go. There you go. All right, let's know. Let's do this. All right. Let's do this. Here, make this a little bit bigger and play. We can play hide and seek. All right, so look at their clothes. What color are her clothes? We're already Green. So much Green. Fun. What color are her siblings' clothes? Please. Uh, grays. Grays. Oh, now, wait. One, two. Shades of blue. Three. Four, five, six, okay. Give it a minute. So they're all wearing shades of blue. Okay. 11, and she's wearing earth tones. Okay. Keep that in the back of your head. Again. Go to YouTube, guys. Again, what are her co the color of her clothes? Earth, Lucy's earth tones. Clothes. So browns, greens. Yeah. And they're all wearing blue. She's okay. they're all wearing shades of blue, but she's wearing something different. Why? Never, never. Give it a minute. Give it a minute. Look at her clothes. They're brown and green, correct? Okay. Give it a minute. I don't she's, know what's what color is the room? Uh gray. The room is brown and green. What is this room? That's where the, That's uh, where the, the wardrobe is. Yeah, the wardrobe is. She matches the room. Lucy's the first one to go into Narnia. She's the first one to see Narnia. Okay. She looks like Narnia. So what does that like? What does that do for that, you as the film with the with the intelligence? The film whole point. Eye? of them separating their clothes like that, making so you have the Pevensey kids, the three of them, the three oldest ones, all wearing shades of blue. And then Lucy stands out in shades of brown and green, which is unusual because if you want someone to stand out, you might put them in a brighter color so that you can see them like a yellow or okay. a red, but they purposely put Lucy in browns and greens. Why? Because she's the first one to see Narnia. So that when she steps into Narnia, she matches the aesthetic. She's supposed to be there. She belongs mm. there. Without mm. any dramatic clothing change that the audience it's brilliant. Have she looks like she looks like they, a forest. They would have had um, to write that into the script that she got dressed or changed, or she would at least had to act. Oh yeah, changing. That's they, what I learned how to do. It's absolutely written into the script. Lucy, right. it would say, Lu "Enter Lucy wearing dot 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 dot." Exactly what she's wearing, mm. and it's all intentional. So everything that you see on the screen is very much intentional because they want to they want to convey or push an emotion in a way without mm -hmm. pushing it. Because the thing is to show you, not to tell you. So they mm -hmm. want from the very beginning for you to connect with Lucy because Lucy stands out. She's the odd one out. She's the oddball. She's the one no one wants to listen to. She is the one that no one believes. They want you immediately to connect and ground yourself mm. with Lucy, which is why she looks grounded. Grounded with earth tones. Wow. I love that. So that's totally so psychologically uh, motivated. Yeah, I mean, so they're, they're, so at oh. all times, film is always uh, taunting our emotions. Yeah, right? so the next time, at all times are always adjusting. News even is a taunting at yeah. our. 
our emotions, our heuristics, right? So, so next always, time you uh, go to the movies and you see a train, it's probably transition. Something's about to shift in the plot. If you ever see running water, that means something's usually unsettled or bridge underwater. Mm, like the like the silhouette of a bridge or a reflection of a bridge on the water or something like that. Mm -hmm. So so what it is so. I can see now why it's so it's like for me, if I watch a military movie, especially about the Navy, because I was in it for 20 years, I, I can't enjoy it. I can't enjoy a Navy military movie because I, I, I everything I'm like, the they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. That could that would never happen. They don't dress like that way. You know, like I would see and it would ruin it for me. But so what does it do for you, Savvy, then when it's like when you are watching something within woke culture today? How much more is that influenced with each scene, each emotion, what they're trying to, to push, really push to, you know, push you to uh, to believe? And like, how are you seeing that when a, a woke film comes out? Like uh, whatever. It be. I don't know. Everything's woke nowadays. Right. Um, to me, it's more annoying. It depends <laughs> because you yeah. have certain woke messages. It all depends on how they they push the message within the plot. So the horror film that came out a couple months ago, Barbarian, where the message was very much, it was all about women trusting men and the struggle that a lot of women have with trusting men, especially men they've never met before, just that struggle. And it was very much an undertone. It was very show, don't tell. It was something you could kind of feel and relate to throughout the film while it's mm. still this overt horror. Jordan Peele films get on my nerves because it's mm. all an overtone. So instead of like weaving his point into the plot, he throws it out you. I hate oh, wow. that. Mm. And then so, a lot of people are like, oh my God, the message was so amazing. I know because he threw it in your face. He was there the whole time. Just <laughs> over, over, is that, over. Is that an artistic decision to do that? That he's It's a lazy decision. To, it's someone it's lazy. I, was, I was about to ask, yeah. is that just him being lazy? It's someone who is more concerned with making sure you understand the message they're trying to convey than trusting oh, the audience so to come to messaging. their own conclusion. Yeah. So, is that the, is that's, what, that's what is, it is. Is that what's wrong with like Christian movies? That they have to like walk <laughs> you through every step. And it's like, we, we can see. You didn't have to tell me you're about to pour coffee. We see you pouring coffee. It was a waste of lines. Okay. Yeah, I think that's why I liked Redeeming Love that came out earlier this year. Uh -huh. Because, I mean, they did a very good job of conveying the message of the gospel without really mentioning the gospel. Interesting. I haven't seen it yet. Who's in that one? No Anybody? one that I, uh, Logan Mike Marshall Green is the only one I can think of. Eric Dane, if you've ever watched. Grey's Anatomy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nina Dobrev, if you're a, a Vampire Diaries fan. Just the first four seasons, I liked. After that, I stopped watching. It got really gotcha. stupid. Actually, I stopped watching once Klaus Michelson left. He was my eye candy for the show, and I just didn't see the point of watching it anymore. Once I never, I never, some, I, I almost got sucked into Vampire Diary TikTok the other day. I saw, two, <laughs> I saw two Vampire Diary TikToks, and I've never seen one before. And I'm like, I know they're waiting for me to like this. You, so you like it? You're never coming more. back to our yeah. side of TikTok. No, I immediately <laughs> you're, knew. You're I'm like, I know what yeah. you're doing, FYP. You're trying to introduce me to other things. I do not want this. I'm not. I'm not in an open relationship with any other content right now. <laughs> yeah. 
But that's so, the problem with Christian films, woke films, is they're very much, this is the message I'm trying to send and I want to make sure you get it instead of running the risk of me not getting it and getting whatever mm -hmm. it is that I get out of it. Like, uh, what's the Inception? Like, that was a well-done film because at the God, end you're like, so well, you don't even know what it even, <laughs> what just happened. You're like, wait a second, did he die? I thought I saw the little thimble or the little uh, spinning top move. It fell over. He's dead. He's not alive. You know, it's like the whole thing was like mind blowing. It was so well done. The ending, yeah, it leaves you. So, so what did you love so much about it? just the the amount of symbolism and foreshadowing and or just keeping everything a secret that you don't? It, I was, just was it just love, a mastermind? I love. What I loved, number one, is that we step into a plot that's already moving. So it's not like the story starts when the movie starts. Obviously, there's something that's already happening, oh, and we're yeah. kind of jumping in the middle of it. I love <sighs> stuff like that. Um, I, I love how Christopher Nolan handles a cast. And may, I think a lot of people don't know what to do with a big cast anymore. I think yeah. Christopher Nolan has always been very good at handling cast who are very high caliber but making sure that we're telling a story here we're not showing off egos um christopher nolan is very creative when it comes to special effects he tries to not use a computer as much as possible mm. so in the um scene where they're in the dream in the room is like I think yeah. Joseph Gordon is like zero gravity. That's yeah. really a room that's moving. Yeah, that's right. They, I remember yeah. seeing that. Yeah, that's so cool. What a what an amazing mind for that. Yeah, so, stuff like that. I bet, is it? Are, I bet it's fun to watch movies with you in theater. No, you, you talk the whole time, don't you? I don't. I'm just. You don't. I'm constantly. So what? They did so that. We need savvy movie recommendations because all right. So Inception, we are. We are in agreement on as great movie. Give us some some other that just very well done films that have that artistic touch to it. In your opinion, we should either like or watch again or rewatch to like. See yeah. It. Old school Citizen Kane, the best movie of all time. I will die on that hill. I really don't care. Wow. Um, I don't Gone know that with I've the ever wind. Okay. I just, it's three hours of your life. Get over it. Just watch it. God, I love the classic. Yeah. The Bad Seed, the original. It's one of the few movies I can watch over and over and over again. I'm obsessed with sound in films. And there is mm -hmm. a scene in that where, because it's about a girl who is a killer and she's just all kinds of things. And spoiler alert, she ends up killing the maintenance guy. And um, there's a there's three different sounds that's going on because you hear the sound of him screaming, um, the sound of the little girl playing the piano. Well, four, because you have Monica, who's the landlord, who's just like, oh, poor Leroy, who's burning. And then you have the mother of the child who's basically saying, my child did this. And it's all these different things going off at once and it's very chaotic and kind of jarring until it just stops. Um, Psycho. Psycho's good, yeah. <laughs> Vertigo, also Hitchcock. Do the mm. Right Thing, Spike Lee. Hitchcock with uh, um, um, Will Smith? No, not, not that's Hancock, dummy. Oh, that's Hancock. <laughs> 
<laughs> this happens a lot. <laughs> Hitchcock with like Will Smith? No, dude. Alfred. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, wait. Somebody wants to know in the chat. What do you uh, What do you think about the Passion of the Christ film from a film student perspective? I've actually never seen it. Oh mm. wow. Okay. Interesting. Is that a like? Is there? A, that's such a big movie. And with your faith, is there like? Do you have a, a conviction about watching a movie like that, or is there any? No, I just haven't sat down to watch it. I have oh, no wow. reason. Like no reason. I just haven't seen it. When did wow. that come out? I don't think I was a Christian. Uh, Two thousand. Oh, I was, I was in the seven. Two thousand three. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't a Christian when that came out, so oh, I wouldn't okay. have watched it. So yeah, that was yeah. Mel Gibson. Um, I was. Let me tell you what what happened when I, I was I was active duty at the time in the Navy. I was in Yokosuka, Japan, at the theater on base, and it was a packed theater. And there's this there's the scene of the of the torture right where he, he's getting whipped with the cat of nine tails. And there's just a very graphic moment in that scene. A woman in the crowd at the theater screamed so loudly at the moment of the cat of nine tails striking Jesus. I thought it was part of the movie. Like I thought the scream it's, it was almost as if she saw someone murdered in front of her in real time. Like Mm. I could, I was like, what just happened? It was so bonkers i mean that movie uh, people were sitting at the end of it they didn't want to leave the theater they were like praying and stuff after watching it was it was a movement man it was crazy having Uh, not seen it just knowing that he went there and decided okay we're gonna tell the story of the passion of the christ we're gonna tell mm it um you don't see that kind of courage anymore in filmmaking where people are too afraid to like trigger people's traumas i'm like no like trigger my trauma i paid my ticket (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a good point i mean that's that's what filmmakers are about right is evoking a response are you a big um who's the guy that did twin peaks are you a big fan of his who's he the um he's he's kind of a weird director he's the twin peaks guy um oh i forget is it let me hang on a second uh twin peaks somebody is gonna answer uh you know you you decided to be like triggered when you decided to watch the movie. So. David Lynch. David Lynch. Are you familiar with his filmmaking? I should be. I should be. David Lynch. He's, I think so. He's got a movie out. I've watched a breakdown of this movie before, and I was really shocked with how interesting it sounded. Uh, let me find out what movies he's done. Why is he? Why did he escape me? I don't know. You know, Mel Gibson got a lot of crap from Passion of the Christ. He was considered oh, anti-Semitic a, because of it. He's Didn't apparently he making recently? another one. Really? Yeah. Uh, David Lynch did The Elephant Man, Eraserhead, Dune, Blue Velvet, uh, Wild at Heart, Twin Peaks, Hotel Room. I don't know what that is. Not heard of that one. Mulholland Drive. That's the one I've heard really good things about from a filmmaker's standpoint Mulholland Drive I've seen it once but it was years ago Mm. yeah I've I've heard he's uh he he evokes emotion really well on film that's just one of the guys I think of when I think of good filmography 
What about you? Yeah. What, what about the Chosen? Have you watched the Chosen, Savvy? That's getting a little controversy right now. I've watched the first season only because I have Pure Flix and I accidentally paid for another year's subscription. Uh, yeah. Um, so I was waiting for season two to come on Pure Flix and they're like, you can watch it. No, no, I paid for this. I'm waiting for <laughs> Pure Flix. So I haven't watched season two yet. I enjoyed season one. I love, I think depictions of Jesus can, can get a little wonky sometimes yeah. because yeah. I think Speaking we run the language. risk. I think we run the risk of putting our expectations of yeah. Jesus on screen and not scripture. But I think the chosen does a good job of not so much bringing the scriptures to life, but making them make sense visually because certain things are just hard for me to picture. Mm -hmm. And so like his, you know, Jesus's relationship with Nicodemus, I think adding a little bit of the nuance and some of the conversation that may have happened behind the scenes, because I don't think any of what was there was in scripture, if I'm remembering correctly. Very few, especially on the rooftop, there's very few. But adding a little bit of that context, that cultural context, getting to see, I think, Nicodemus' struggle. Mm. I think that's what I really love The Chosen for was, I think they're doing a really good job in their depiction of Jesus. But I really like seeing the way they make sense of some of the emotions that everyone else may have had in their encounter with him, that's not always evident in the scriptures. Mm, that's yeah, not very, that's not always easy to pull out. Yeah. So like Especially Matthew when, as a tax collector and just getting an idea of what that must, because you always hear, oh, he's a tax collector. Tax collectors are hated. I'm like, yes, we all hate tax collectors. Like big wolf, okay, it. who cares? But I think adding in that cultural context of what that would have been like for Matthew being a tax collector and also being seen as an enemy to his own people and that someone who couldn't even show his face going to work. Right, yeah, um, just, yeah just adding in that cultural content. I think I, I love what they're doing with that by adding a little a more, of- yeah. They did take a lot of artistic liberties. Um, a lot. And I think it's necessary, though, in a sense. Because sometimes it's really hard to relate. To... Oh, actually, there's 2,000 years. And yeah. Culture. See, it's people, hard. For, people forget that, like, locations themselves have their own culture. Right? It's not just people. But, like, you don't act like a, you act a certain way at a funeral that you wouldn't act at a ball game. Right? Locations... Right create a type of behavior like there's different ways to behave in different locations they have their own culture so you have that plus two thousand years that separate us plus an entirely different people group and we're now we're reading stories and we read our western mindset into them and we picture it with our cultural understanding and we miss tons of stuff tons that's why i've been going back into the hebrew culture and even the earlier uh <clears throat> early Roman uh, Christian culture too. I've been fascinated to uh, to see life from a, a different perspective and to read the Bible then again with that perspective, it changes the way that I see scripture in so many different ways. And, and I get like, aside from the controversy about the chosen, what I, the, the clips and stuff that I've seen, 
I mean, it, it does really give you that like, okay, look, like well, this really happened, right? They are portraying an event that actually happened. There were real people involved in it with real emotions and a real experience. So you get to see something like that that you wouldn't normally see, uh, you know, and done well too in an environment. So it, it gives you the, I just, I always worry about people getting their theology from television, you know, getting their biblical theology from the chosen versus reading the Bible and going to church themselves. Yeah. However, I do hope that, that like watching the chosen inspires people to read it and go, okay, yeah. right. so that's the hope. The yeah, for sure. So the Bible series that came out several years ago, um, I actually remember watching that and I would have my Bible with me and just kind of following along mm. being like, Oh, that's here. That's, Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I get that now. And I think the chosen really helps to see the Bible through that cultural lens, because it's really hard to separate what I see every day from what I'm reading in the scripture, because this is the lens through which I'm seeing everything and mm -hmm. to I kind of take off those glasses and read the scriptures through a culture that I've never experienced. Yeah. It's weird. So it's yeah. very helpful to have television shows like the chosen paint that picture for me. And now I can kind of see it through that perspective. I mean, they do, they have source material. So it's not like they're just making up what uh, Jerusalem was like. I mean, they're actually, they're, they do the research. They have, they, apparently they have a Jew, they have a, a great response from the Jewish community, uh, Jewish historians trying to, they'll be there to be like, Hey, you know, that's not accurate. I always wonder though, because I know that these movies have military advisors and I still see a lots of problems in the military. So I'm like, <laughs> military because dude, like oh, well, they're not advising if if little old me is like uh, that's not gonna that's not gonna happen. Like what's military advisor doing? I wonder what, what they with the but, chosen, you know. I think it was active valor had actual SEALs play characters and then um yes, them, they like, did. directing. So you didn't see anything wrong in that movie. That's true. Active Valor was a or yeah. men, men of Valor was it Active Valor or Men of Valor? Men of Valor, wasn't it? Men of Valor, I think. Yeah, and it was I the real. You. It was a that's, real that's Navy. Four for four, Logan. Good job. <laughs> you know that that uh, that show with that kid doctor. You know, do doggy doggy Bowser. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah. And then this Jesus is probably like the least good-looking Jesus I've seen depicted exactly. ever. Um, Which is good. Not, yeah, he's not an ugly dude. He's a good-looking dude. But like, you know, Jim Caviezel is like, that was my high school crush. I'm not going to lie. Even oh. when he was like crazy. I thought he was, wow. oh my God, I thought he was so cute. I thought he was gorgeous. That's and then they hilarious. had him play Jesus. And that made me mad because I was an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then so they have this guy. He's not homely. He's not ugly, but he's he's good looking in his own right. But he's not spectacular. And I I liked that he's just ordinary. He's he looks normal. He's he's like looks like a regular dude. He doesn't stand out. Yeah. You know, any other Jesus I've ever seen, he always stands out amongst the disciples. And this dude doesn't. He's right. very much blends in with everyone else. He's normal. He's not someone that you would automatically your eyes would just kind of go to. Yeah. If, you know, just with your shallow eyes, like just, I like that part of it. I, I like that they paid attention to that detail because you don't see that every other place. Jesus is stunning. Yeah. Jesus and, probably wasn't stunning. And white most of the time. <laughs> Not ethnic at all. Very European with an what's accent, you, by you, the way. What's the problem with that? 
<laughs> well, Logan, your white Jesus is not the real Jesus. <laughs> All right, thanks. Why Jesus exists, but he's not the real Jesus, my friend. <laughs> no, no, you don't know what you're yeah. talking about. There's lots of there are many Jesuses, but there is only one Messiah. One Jesus. That's right. Um, so Savvy, we we've had actually people come on the show and talk about the chosen before. And I've even watched, you know, YouTube channels where people have really critiqued uh, the chosen in a negative way. Um, people people taking a hard stance. Uh, like if it's not in the Bible, then don't betray it. Don't um, don't even go outside. Don't take artistic liberties. Um, do you think that's a good stance to have? Do you think it's uh, just a matter of conviction, or do you think it's just uh, over being overzealous for for something that people are trying to I think do their was, best to help? What was it? My teacher says I had a tenth grade teacher, English teacher. She didn't like me. I didn't like her, but it was fine. What is something she used to say? She used to talk about, um, I think it was writer's license or artistic license, mm -hmm. that if you know the rules, you can break them. And I think if you know, the, and I think the same thing applies here. Here's the thing with artistic liberties and artistic license is that sometimes it's necessary because if you just did a film just straight from the scriptures, it would be a really boring film or be a really boring TV series. I understand. Yes, I love the word of God. It's amazing. It's alive. And it, yeah, da, 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 da. but if we're just using that as a script it's a very boring movie so you have yes. to kind of add some things to fill in the gaps and you're gonna have to take some artistic liberties when you're going from i think it was sue monk kid who wrote the um the secret life of bees when she was talking about adaptations because people always have you know, irritabilities when it comes to adapting their favorite novels into film, that when you're going from one medium to another, some things have to change. And the Bible is no exception. If you're going to take the Bible from the book to the screen, whether it's the small screen or the big screen, you're going to have to change some things or you're going to have yeah. to add some things in order to provide context. And oh, I think yeah, the Chosen does a good job of adding context. And why not go a little bit above and beyond? I mean, why not? Like... Yeah. So if you for, can do it. I just have a hard time sure. for me. Like the, it's the finding entertainment in biblical stories for me. It's, it's such a fine line and I don't want to push this on anybody else. So I even feel bad saying it, but I do have a hard time sometimes when it comes to like images of Jesus, same, same reasoning that you have about just this projection of, of who Jesus is. Uh, I, I want to be taken aback. I know I will be taken aback when I see Jesus for the first time anyway, but I don't want to have a precon, you know, preconception of Jesus. You know, it's like I want to just know Jesus for Jesus, and because I think of the Bible as being so rich for every aspect of my life, uh, part of it's just hard to to be entertained by it in that sense. But I don't know. I'm trying to loosen yeah. up a little bit. I'm not trying to be a stickler about it. It's just hard for me. Sometimes. So you also have to keep in mind who might watch this that doesn't know Christianity. And sure. I know some people can be like, well, they're not going to get the real Bible. Well, it's probably the first Bible they've ever gotten. Yeah. And you There's, never know. People are not growing up in the church anymore. So, no. yeah, you're right. You're so right. a lot of people. So a lot of us, when we, you know, got to know Jesus, we learned it through the Bible. And that's a challenge within in and of itself is all you have is a written word, whereas they're getting something that we didn't get, which is this visual representation of Jesus in a way that's going to make sense to them and in a way they're going to relate. And they're not going to have the same challenges that we had trying to take our culturalness out of it and step yeah. into a culture that we've never seen before. Whereas with film, you're automatically escaping to this other place. So- mm -hmm. 
you're, you've already taken people who probably yeah. don't know the word of God, who don't know Jesus. You've put them this thing in front of them, which is already desi designed for escapism because that's television, that's film. Yeah. It's designed for escape. It's designed for you to leave what's behind and step into someplace else. So you've created this biblical world for people who don't know the Bible to step into. Yeah. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Let it work. Yeah, so I mean, and, and then trust the Lord that he's still going to do his thing. You know, it, it, it's not going to take anything away from the Lord. You, you're absolutely right. And when they come out asking questions, be ready. Yeah. Done. That, we should be ready always anyways. We should always be ready to give an go, answer. Go watch on YouTube. So for everyone in here watching, you've seen The Chosen. Now go watch uh, the visual Bible on YouTube. And you can watch all four Gospels. Uh, and it's a word-for-word -word reenactment of Scripture, and Savvy's right. It is, it is hard to watch. Right? It, it, it's 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 slow. It's it's them reading Scripture verbatim, but they're also acting in the process. Mm. And it, and I'm pretty sure it's a bunch of white dudes too. Like, like they didn't put a lot of effort into this. I, hey, but, isn't that what the Bible Project is too, though? Bible Project is like two white guys, but I mean, it's, I still love the Bible Project. Well, I meant, but like they're acting and they're in, they're in the clothing okay. and the garments, and it's not <laughs> okay. culturally accurate. But they're trying to just act out scripture in a video, and and all they're allowed to say is scripture, and then the narrator will say things that are narrated in the gospel. Ah, gotcha. and, you, and if you if you see those two and contrast it against each other, I think I think people can find some balance between them and go, okay, this yeah. is this is why we're why the chosen is trying to do what it's doing and give a cultural reference and and show things that we 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 clearly are missing in our modern yeah. uh, Western context. The way I see it, when you have someone who's probably Bible illiterate, they're watching The Chosen, they're going to get what it would take us, the Bible, a commentary, a concordance, and the Bible app to get. They're getting all of that context wrapped into one. What might take us two or three Bible studies to get just to understand this one line of scripture, they're getting it all in one. Yeah, they're getting the word. One. They're getting context. They're getting historical context. That's a that's a very valid point. I, I like I like the thought of that because I will say that uh, I mean just as just as when I read scripture and then read it again and it's illuminated in a different way, you know it 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 all it all comes from various contexts and understandings of other things and then you see something in the Bible and you're like oh oh yeah no I get that because now I understood this thing so now I get this thing so uh, you get you do get a lot of that I think. And maybe that's some of the concern savvy with a lot of the some of the liberties that people take is, are we how confident can we be or should we even worry about the the source of that context? Because sometimes that context uh, may be sourced from the wrong material. Mm. So, I mean, that could, which, that could which be dangerous what too. potentially cause the controversy, right? That they're right. Like, oh, this is coming from outside of biblical text. This direct line isn't. Yeah, I mean, there, the main complaint was that it was it was a, a line directly out of one of the books of Mormon, uh, one of the chapters in there or something. I don't know, but uh, that, I saw something you know, on that. And yeah, I think that they was addressed the, that, and they're like, uh, "No, right." Yeah, yeah, he plays Jesus as Catholic. Right, right. Well, he was very clear. I mean, Dallas was very clear when I saw his video that 
Um, there are, you know, it, it did not come from the Book of Mormon. He did tiptoe a little bit around the other sources, but I'm just going to let it go. I'm a conspiracy theorist, so I'm not going to I'm not going to be bothered by it. <laughs> Take the good. We'll take the good and throw out the bad. That's right. Well, you got to do that with everything, man. I was I, I was telling Logan, uh, my my church saying "God bless America" at the end of service on Sunday, and I was like, "Oh Lord, God, please, yeah. please save me from this." So it's like that. But you know what? I love my church, and I am a part of of their body, and I'm gonna I'm support the pastor. And uh, sometimes I just have to let my stupid self go, and not get my way all the time. Yeah. Atheist Savannah would have found the chosen to be very entertaining. Yeah. So, so what's what's that story like? Eighteen years old, two thousand six. Atheist Savannah, and what changed? Oh God! How much time do you have? Well, how much time do you have? Because we don't want to keep you for too long, and we are an hour and thirty in. So you you tell us. You can be transparent when you. Okay. So I was kind of raised in church, I guess you could say, Black Baptist. normal black Baptist upbringing, I guess you could say. So about 14 years of age is when I decided I just didn't believe in God anymore. And me and my mom fought about it until I think a youth pastor told her to stop making me come to church. Oh, wow. And said, if she doesn't want to come to church, don't make her come. You know, when she's ready to come back, she'll come back. And that was hard for my mom. And that was hard for us because she was very much very, very Christian. And I was just very angry, depressed, atheist, rebellious, blunt Savannah. Mm. And you found freedom. Yeah. Yeah. But one of my best friends was a devout Christian, like speaking in tongues, kind of Christian. I didn't know that until later, (laughs) but I knew she was a devout Christian, yet she had no she knew I didn't believe in God and she had absolutely no issues with it. So me and her got along very well. Um, I think it was sometime my senior year because I had a best friend in high school and she was just never in school. And I guess my Christian friends saw that as an opportunity to invite me to church. And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. Went. It wasn't for me. I didn't like it. But, you know, everyone was really nice. and very welcoming. the seed. Got that seed. Yeah, I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know. Senior year of high school, 2005, I graduate, summer's fun, we get to school. Me and my best friend, the one that was never in school, we're going to school together and I think, oh, we're gonna have a great time. We move in on a Friday, Saturday, I notice her mood is down. I know it's not good. I later find out she's ready to go home. She doesn't even wanna do school anymore. So her mom Mm -hmm. comes and picks her up Sunday. So here I am at this brand new school, pretty much by myself. And I don't make friends, I don't talk to people. Now I gotta figure out all of this jazz and um ended up writing on a whiteboard on my door because that's what you did in college you had a whiteboard on your door because we didn't have smartphones it was 2005 and just said hey knock uh and say hello because i don't introduce myself to people like no if no you don't know my name that's none of your business that was me (laughs) um One girl knocked on my door and she's mentioned something about how our CA, because that's what we called it, UNC Greensboro was CA instead of RA, had shaved his head or something like that. And I was like, oh, cool. I want to see. And then we ran, couldn't find him, ran downstairs to another guy's room. His name was Steven. And she mentioned her name was Katie. Like, oh, she hasn't eaten yet. And he's like, well, let's go get you something to eat. And that kind of started me with this new friend group. 
And it's all of a sudden they're like, hey, we're going swing dancing on Saturday. You want to come? And I'm like, sure. When in Rome. I've never been <laughs> swing dancing before. I was just happy to, I was just happy to be with people. Nice. I didn't care. They could have been like, hey, we're gonna go rob a bank. Absolutely. Here <laughs> I for the invite. Let's go. Like, I was just happy to be people. I didn't care. And so I go swing dancing for the first time and I'm having a gay old time. I'm just like, mommy, I have friends. This is great. Oh, that's awesome. And you know, everything's good and Gucci and these people are so sweet and welcoming. I'm having like breakfast, lunch and dinner with these people. Like I have community for the first time ever in my life. And then, you know, a Tuesday rolls around a couple weeks after school starts and they say, hey, we're going to this thing off campus called 805. And then we're going to go get something to eat. You know, afterwards, we're going to go to Ham's local restaurant in Greensboro if it's still there and get burgers. It's like two dollar burgers. They said off campus and food. Done. And I'm like, and I got yeah, it's and I followed. I didn't know they were Christians. We're getting there. We're getting ahead of the story. <laughs> That's the best part. And so at this point, I've fallen in love with these people. Okay, Sorry, wherever they wanted to go, I would go. So we get to this place off campus. We're walking there, and I'm like, my CA is here. Why is he here? Why is that dude here? Oh, this is interesting. Okay, and then. One guy stands up and he starts singing for no reason since you've been gone by Kelly Clarkson. And I'm like, this is interesting. Interesting. And then my CA gets up and he starts sharing his testimony. I'm like, why is he talking about Jesus? Oh, wow. And then another guy gets up and he does a whole sermon. I don't remember what he was preaching about. All I remember from the guy's testimony, he was talking about the book of Acts where, you know, why are you pressing against the goats, something like that from the book of Acts when Paul falls off the horse. Well, he didn't fall off the horse, but he fell off the horse. Yeah. Donkey. The four-legged creature with hooves. <laughs> and I'm just like in panic mode, like, holy crap, they're Christians. Holy crap. What have I gotten myself into? Oh my God. They got, I can't. They got oh no. How do I get out of here? How do I get out of here? How do I, I like panicking? And they're like, afterwards, everything's done. And, you know, prayed us all out. And I'm like, oh God. Why am I here? And they're like, hey, we're going to go to Ham's after. I was like, I have to study. I don't study. <laughs> you just want out of there. I was like, all right, okay. And so I like stopped talking to them for a couple of days. So I, I called my mom as soon as I got back to her. Mama, they're Jesus freaks. I love it. He's like, oh, okay. Well, dang, oh, did you have a good time? Yes. <laughs> she later told me months later that when I told her that, she was like, yes, yes. Aww. So I stopped talking to these people for a while. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. They were trying to connect with me and I wasn't having it. I was trying to be polite about it. And I'm like, if they don't stop talking to me, I'm going to get mean. And then I was just like, oh, I'm lonely again. I don't have any friends. Well, just, just hang out with these people. What's the worst that can happen? So I started hanging out with them. I went back to 805 because that's where they were going. And like I'd fallen in love with these people. So it was nothing for me to go to their Tuesday night Jesus freak meeting. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was nothing for me to go to church with them on Sundays when they invited me, yeah. you know, it was nothing for me to go to Atlanta on a conference and spend $180 for this conference. <laughs> Wherever they went, I was going. And it was when I got to that conference. So 2005 going into 2006. So it's in Atlanta right before passion. So it's not the passion conference, but it's like right before passion. And I'm excited because I'm with my favorite people and we're at this, uh, that's a naked cat. That, that's it. <laughs> that is Brian. I think he's, he's letting us know that he, 
the show is getting coming to a close. Okay, thank you. Because my phone is on 20%. So oh, Peter. Speed this up. This so is Peter Parker. I oh, wow. am at this conference. I'm so happy to be here. And then the first session starts, the main session. Um, and panic. Panic. All of a sudden sets in. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And I'm just like, holy crap, where am I? What have I gotten myself into? Why? And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so if I leave now, I could probably find an Amtrak and just take a train back home and no one's going to notice and it'll be all right. And then I was like, I can't do that because these people will come looking for me. <laughs> they will, these, if I leave, these people are going to miss me. They're going to worry about me. And that's, I think yeah. that grounded me because I'm like, these, these people will come looking for me. They will worry about me. Oh. They care about me. Well, dang, I can't run away now. I guess I'm stuck. So I end up enjoying the rest of the conference. And then there was one session. I don't remember anything from this conference. Nothing. The only thing I ever remember was this guy named Mo Leverett, who was from here in New Orleans, because this was several months after Katrina. So he was here talking about Katrina experience and all that jazz. And um, then one song from the conference. So the only two things I remember, Mo Leverett from New Orleans talking about Katrina and one song from the entire four days I was there. Wow. It was, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard Christian Stanfield's version of Jesus Paid It All. It's on one of the Passions um, Yeah, albums. that's actually a really awesome song. And it wasn't him who performed it, but it was another guy, I believe, who was also on staff at Passion. I forget mm -hmm. his name, but he performed it. It was the same version. At this point, I'd never heard it. I only found out later. And something about that just stuck with me. I remember nothing else but I remember that song. So didn't think anything, went back to uh, Greensboro, then went back to Charlotte, then went back to school. And I asked my friend about that song. And she's like, yeah, it's on the Passion soundtrack. I'm like, I don't know what that is. And so <laughs> she's like, do you want to borrow it? Cause at that point, you know, you would take songs off the CD and then put it into your iTunes. <laughs> yeah. You know, we didn't have streaming or anything like that. It's either buy a song or take it off the CD and put it into your library. Mm -hmm. So me still don't believe in God, but I'm obsessed with this song. Aww. And so she's like, well, if you like this song, you might like these songs too. So she gave me a whole bunch of, I think it was like, wow, Christian worship. Um, oh and, yeah. Those were great. Those were awesome. Uh, Cademan's Call, Majesty was on yes. there. Um, Cademan's Call. Oh man. I need to listen to some Cademan's Call. I think it was, that was the first time I may have heard who did, uh, God's Not Dead. What's that band called? The Newsboys. Newsboys, Newsboys. was on there, I think. Um, uh, in Christ Alone. Matt Redman? Not Matt Redman. Um, Adrian Camp. Jeremy Camp's wife. Jeremy Camp. Before yeah, yeah, they got yeah. married. Yeah, yeah. So that she did with another dude. And she was in Benjamin Gate before that. In the yeah. Mm -hmm. So a song, that song she did really just kind of stuck with me. And I had these, still don't believe in the word. I had these songs on repeat for months. Yeah. Just playing over and over and over and over again in my head. I don't know when the shift happened. I don't know how it happened. Mm. It got to a point where I was just not listening to a point where it was starting to just kind of sink in. Nice. And I've talked about this on a TikTok before and people are like, well, how can you convince someone that they believe in God? You can't. 
the best you can do is tell them the gospel and let God do the rest of the work. Absolutely. And these people have been telling me the gospel for months and I heard it at this point. I could pretty much repeat back what they were saying, Yeah. but at some point it just, it started to just, just made sense, made sense. And I started asking more questions and next thing you know, I'm going on a winter retreat. <laughs> with these people and another hundred and eighty dollars. And then they're talking about, hey, we're having summer beach project. We're going to Myrtle Beach for nine weeks, and you have to raise support. And I'm like, oh, I want to go anywhere these people were going. I was going. It did not matter. And I'm talking about this is March 2006. Wow. And still not really there. You know, so I'm still going to church, and all of a sudden I'm going to their Sunday night prayer meetings at somebody's house. Sunday, What's that Sunday, house? It sounds like the cold. You were in the cold. I was. Um, <laughs> and you know, it everything's going, and they and they were so confused on why I was going to all of these things. Yeah. Like, why is she coming to prayer meeting? I guess okay. I think at some point they kind of given up. Wow. <laughs> They'd really, I think, when looking back, they, I think they just kind of just given up. Um, cause it had been almost a year and I just wasn't budging. And then we were having a prayer meeting. It was April 9th, 2006. I'm pretty sure it was a Sunday evening if I looked it up and regular prayer night. I'm not thinking about anything. Nothing's going on. We're just sitting there in the prayer and I can just hear God, let it go, let it go, let it go. It was so loud. Mm. And next, you know, I'm praying. I had never prayed in this prayer <laughs> meeting before. And I'm starting like, God, I know I'm a sinner. Did it wow. something, something, something else. And I said something Amen. like, I need you. I need yes. you. And then everyone got real quiet. And I'm like, why are y'all so quiet? This is so awkward. <laughs> like disrespectful. Someone else pray. And I'm like, okay. And then we go, you know, Jared sees a spider and gets real scared. So he has to go sleep in the dorm with um, Lewis because he's like, I can't sleep here because there's a spider. So we're all walking back to campus and I'm back in my dorm. I hear a knock on my door and it's my friend Katie who introduced me to everyone. Savannah, did this happen at the premiere? I said, yeah. She said, do you understand what you just did? I was like, no. <laughs> she says, You gave your life to Christ. You understand? I was like, I did. She goes, Yeah. I was like, Oh, well, okay. And oh, she sat me down and she, like, I still have it somewhere. And it's somewhere in a journal where she drew the bridge diagram for me. Mm. And yeah. I was like, Okay. And then she went away. You, and then my friend you, lit, huh? Do you have it quickly? Like, do you have it accessible to show people? I don't. Oh, I can pull it up. <sighs> oh, yeah. I still have the journal. I just don't know where it is with that piece of paper tucked in. But so she went away. And then my friend Lindsay, the one who gave me all the music, came knocking my door. She's like, I heard. I'm like, okay. Aww. <laughs> I had a very similar experience with music when uh, there was a girl that was witnessing to me here. Yeah. And she's like, do you want to have a Bible study tomorrow? I was like, Oops. sure. I still don't know what's going on. And so we have a Bible study the next day where she really kind of breaks down the gospel for me. I'm still clueless. I'm just, I'm feeling lighter, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, okay. So I go on the Myrtle Beach trip and that's when it really kind of just 
wow. really hit. Because um, that's when I really started. Because it's, I don't know if you've ever been on like a summer trip with a bunch of Jesus freaks where you just really spend a whole week learning about the word of God and all this jazz and prayer. So that's really where I learned how to study the Bible, how to memorize scripture, um, wow. how to share my faith. And um, that's when the relationship really began. Once I started to really dig into the word of God. And once I started, I couldn't really stop. Yeah. So that's pretty much how it started. Now, how it happened, I don't know. I really couldn't tell you what that shift was or how that came about. Holy all I can, all Holy I can tell Holy you Spirit. is that I had a community of people who loved me just as I was and offered me food. And um, that was it. Mm. I mean, if you want to know, so how do you bring an atheist to Christ? You love them as they are, offer them food share the gospel with them, answer all their questions, even if they're stupid questions, even if they're disrespectful questions, yeah. answer them and let God do the rest. When God is ready to open, God could have opened that door. God could have knocked on my eardrum at any time. He could have done it at the conference. He could have done it the first time I went to church. He decided in that moment in front of those witnesses mm-hmm. that it had to be that moment. And it made sense. And there were, it meant so purposeful. Yeah, that's so incredible. I'm really moved by your testimony, Savvy. I really appreciate that. That's uh, that's really, really I awesome. Really love it. It's, um, it's, it's a clear example of the generation <laughs> crusading faith that he's oh, in, yeah. in, in Mark 4, where we see the, the different soils and the, the seeds being thrown out to these different soils. And not all of them are taking the seed, but the one that has the soil that is ready for the seed and prospers 30, 60, 100. Yeah, it just really encouraged. So I lead a life group uh, at my house, young adults uh, from our church, 18 to 25. And my son and his wife are in the group. Uh, I'm also the youth pastor at my church. And it. Uh, I think sometimes it gets discouraging because when you're, you know, you're like, what am I doing this for? What am I, what am I having people over for? What am I, you know, going through this study? It, it sounds like it feels like no one's getting it or, you know, it, it's falling on deaf ears. And it's like, that's really encouraging to hear just to, to keep pressing forward and doing it. And that, it, you know, the Bible says that God's word does not return to him void. And uh, I, I should just be confident in uh, preaching the truth and the Lord will do his thing in his timing. And uh, I just need to be diligent to continue that. So thank you. Thank you again for sharing that testimony. And that's a very yeah. good reminder of that. Just keep making room and just keep making space. Cause that's all they did. They just made room and they made space. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Shadow Boxer said, taking notes, give food to atheists. Yes. yes. <laughs> give food to atheists. Feed the atheists. All campus and burgers was yeah, enough to yeah. get me to that first meeting. That was it. Yeah. We should start a Christian movement. Just feed the atheists. Start like t-shirts and stuff and just like have group gatherings. Invite atheists over. Yeah, they said, oh, we're going to this thing. It's called 805. I didn't ask any questions. Right? <laughs> it's sneaky, man. 805? Nobody knows what that is. These people made me fall in love with them. And yeah, then I, said, I, well, I, we'll add a little extra measure. We'll feed her after. Katarina you Bell, their, the atheist. Yep. You have their contact info? I, I'm starting a cult. I really need them. They, they did a really good job. Swindling <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, all right. So, Sandy, at this point in the show, we normally like leave it open for uh, questions from the audience to just ask and if you're, if you're willing to interact. Um, and it's really broad to every one of us if it's a God question. Uh, the film discussion and emotions was really good. Um, and then we always ask the guests at the end if they if they're willing to 
that they don't mind sharing the gospel before we close out. Oh, goodness. Yeah, if, no pressure, sir. One of no us, seriously, I'll, don't I'll, feel yeah. bad about it. Uh, but yeah, if you guys got any questions for any of us, uh, for Savvy, uh, yeah, please, drop them on the YouTube or the TikToks. I'm assuming way more people on TikTok watching than YouTube. I have no idea. It's got me capped at 99 on TikTok, so I have no clue. But if y'all could go to the YouTube channel so we can display the question on the screen. Yeah, we could do that too. And please, you know, real quick while we're working out getting questions answered, if you guys could uh, drop a subscribe on the YouTube channel. That'd be cool. Uh, if you like this type of content, if you're new, cause you're here because of savvy, which is our game plan altogether. Uh, but, uh, if you are new here, Logan and I try to do this weekly. Uh, we try to bring on guests from social media, specifically TikTok, and, uh, you know, people that are Christian content creators, we're just trying to get to know people get, uh, you know, talk about Jesus and, and get the community together. So, uh, give us a like and follow if you like this content so you can see more of it. And uh, that's just what we do. Tell your friends. Uh, we do it for other people. No, we don't. Logan and I have no monetary connection to TikTok or YouTube or anything. So <laughs> we get lost. no money from any of the stuff that we do. We spend money to do this. So don't think that you're getting bought <laughs> in. Spend, we spend money like inflation yeah. like that. We. <laughs> We yeah, we spend that. money to make money. That's what I was told one time by a shady guy with a pair of sunglasses at night. If he I ever you... look at the receipts. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Savvy, somebody, Sphinx Likes wants to know, did you get your Pokemon game from your Amazon gift list? Did they send that to me? Maybe. I did. I started Aww. playing it today. Uh, and I got distracted. But... I've, I've okay okay so I've had this on my um wish list for over a year and I completely forgot about it just oh it was just that's there. awesome and for a Nintendo Switch that I probably shouldn't have bought but it was my birthday so I bought it for myself Aww, last year awesome. and um someone got it for me off my wish list and I was so excited and I feel like I'm in middle school again sitting Aww. on the bus because you know we didn't have smartphones in the late 90s we had a Game Boy Color and everyone had pokemon whether it was red blue or yellow and we're all switching game boys around because hey you got to this level can you get this for me can you and i'm just like go i'm having the time of my life with it by the way i'm probably going to be up until two in the morning playing that's that awesome oh that well what a blessing and how cool that the person was able to drop in and see you live and be able to make sure that you got it so i missed that comment but you have made my year I'm, I, I'm 12 i'm 12 again Aww. i'm 12 well, hey, Sphinx, like I have a Amazon wish list for books that I want. Not saying, you know, no pressure <laughs> or anything. I'm, I'm <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, let's see. Yeah. Let's see. Other questions. See, lots of people just saying, I'm here because of Savvy. Uh, I get it. I get it. I get it. There's no other reason to be here. <laughs> um, let's see, Shadow Boxer says Animal Crossing is better than Pokemon. Uh, uh, that might start some wars. Uh, yeah, Sphinx says yes. They said it was sent Sunday. I just wanted to know. I don't need a thank you. Uh, Summer hey, Love hey, wants hey. to know if you have a Go code. Is that a what is that a Nintendo Switch thing? A Go code? I have no idea, but I obviously not. <laughs> yeah, so no, she doesn't know what that is. <laughs> I do not. Hand, handmade. I don't know what you're trying to say there. Handmade. Oh, oh Handmaid's Tale. How do you feel about that? I haven't watched it. I think I've tried to film. watch. It's series on Hulu. Yeah, right. It's but like the film portion, like the. Oh, you said you haven't watched it. Never mind. Yeah, I watched the first. I tried to watch. Yeah, I tried to watch the first episode, and it just wasn't 
drawing me in. The concept mm-hmm. seems really cool. Something that I would enjoy, very dystopian, but I just couldn't get into the first episode. So if it's something that I just need to just sit through until I get to a certain point, let me know and I'll probably watch it. So I game- really, really enjoy dystopian movies. Gamer King, uh, let me address, you said uh, your question we actually addressed at the very beginning of this podcast. Uh, they say, uh, Savvy, when did you get into politics and develop your conservative opinions? So okay. you got to go go back and listen to the podcast. <laughs> so those are two different questions. My conservative opinions started to develop right after I came to Christ, so about 2006-ish. But I really started to get into politics, I would say, around 2008. So um, Obama-McCain was when oh, I really took an interest. Okay, well there you go. See that, but still go back and listen to the podcast. <laughs> still go back because she answers it in depth back earlier. I love this show. Shani um, <laughs> Johnson wants to know what are your thoughts on the show Supernatural? Have you ever watched? I love it. it. First off, hold on. Don't you oh, say is your name? Is your name Savvy there, Logan? He's Louise. If, if Calm you down, end our friendship. And quick, first off, okay, I've seen every episode, at least nine or ten. I've only watched I've, the first like four and a half seasons. No, three and a half seasons. More than me. Here's my thing with television shows. Okay, so I will get to a point where I get very invested in the characters, and I love mm-hmm. these characters. Yeah. Something bad was happening, and I didn't want to watch it no more. That's yeah, I get it. I kind of did that with Walking Dead. I, I kind of started to lose interest once the characters that I liked were gone. Because yeah, I don't want to see anyone that I like get hurt, or I don't like it when these televisions, they're already over by the time I start watching them. Like, there are certain, like, I haven't watched the last episode of Criminal, this last season of Criminal Minds yet, because I know once I do that, it's done, which I probably will now because they're bringing out another season. But like, I refuse to watch season 15 of Criminal Minds because I'm like, well, once I do that, it's done. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, I'm not ready to let go. So something bad was happening to one of the characters in an episode I watched. And I was like, I can't watch this. I can't do this thing. I, I know there's like 70,000 more seasons and no, like they're not going to die, but like, I can't handle it. I'm too invested in their lives and their fictional problems. <laughs> but up problem. until that, I loved it. I love good I love a good ghost story. I love mm, ghost yeah. stories. I love ghost I love it. I like X Files like, and Fringe. Fringe was awesome. So Supernatural is a lot of like investigation, like like detective stuff with supernatural. Yeah, it's X Files but more religious. Yeah. Now, I will tell everyone in here, uh, and this is just from a pastoral standpoint, that the last season, last few seasons are extremely blasphemous. You have to be able to, like, separate their 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 artistic license to just kind of take the story the way they did because they had to make God breakable in order for the Winchesters to win. Right? So they had to they had to do that. It, wow. It, so just understand that it is, it is blasphemy at the end. It's just... Can you watch it knowing it's fiction and not yeah. invest your your spiritual health into? I could deal with that over the woke stuff and all the transgender stuff nowadays. That's very hard for me to watch anymore. And but. there goes this live. <laughs> <laughs> it's canceled. Canceled. That's it. We were looking for that ban, right? I just gave it. You. There you go. I just Elon Musked myself. <laughs> Are you on Twitter, Savvy? I am on Twitter. Twitter, this is Savvy. What add you? I'm back. One, on I think. Same All right. picture. All right. So, Savvy, you also have a shout out. How's that going? It's okay. 
I, think I tried to send like, you one, and I don't think it went. Like it, I don't, I don't, I, I sent it to you or somebody else. What is uh, you sent me? I remember you sent me one. It didn't get to okay, you. Okay, so no, did it get to you? It got to me. Okay, it did get to you. Okay, good. I thought I did it wrong, and I was like, I don't think I did this right, and I. It it just it was confusing. I don't promote yeah. it enough because I'm so busy with. I can't do a lot of things at once. Yeah. I got to work on that. Are you on oh. Cameo at all? Mm-mm. Oh, that might be kind of cool to get. I bet you people pay you to do like cameo videos with Forum. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so, so how, how is that for you? So you have you have a million followers on TikTok, right? Is it easy for you to transition to different platforms and that same uh, follower group kind of continue to follow you to different platforms? Have you seen that happen to your YouTube channel, to your podcast? Or is it hit or miss? TikTok makes it hard for you to promote yourself anywhere but TikTok. So Uh, I don't promote myself a lot on TikTok. I'm mainly on Instagram because I at least know on Instagram, my followers on Instagram, which a lot of it is crossover from TikTok. Um, Because a lot of my stuff gets posted on like people who find my stuff reposted on TikTok. I mean, repost it on Instagram and find me there. But um, TikTok makes it very hard for you to promote yourself. Because anytime I try to promote myself on TikTok, no one sees it. Not even my followers see it. It's like a couple thousand views. So it's very frustrating. Weird. Um, Yeah. But I found, because a lot of people hope that they can create that crossover. You can't always... So you've got to learn to figure out what you can do on different platforms. I'm very limited on what I can say on TikTok. I can say a little bit more on um, Instagram. I can say whatever I want on Twitter. Yeah, yeah now you can. <laughs> you think Elon will buy t- TikTok? You think he already did. It? It's done. No, Even- t- not not Twitter, not TikTok. Oh, I wish you'd buy TikTok. Yeah, I wish you'd buy TikTok. I wish you'd buy TikTok. So I could freely dialogue with people and not get canceled. Yeah. Yeah, that does suck. So, and then I have a Substack, which is mine. I've built that. And I can say whatever I want on there. And so that's more of my writing. And then that also has like an exclusive podcast. So what I write is probably going to appeal more to people than what I might say on video. So Mm -hmm. not... It can get frustrating, I think, when people feel like, why can't I just build my audience? I have to accept that I'm just doing different things on different platforms because I can't always do the same thing on all the platforms. That makes sense. And, so, and why would you? Just You'd want to just copy it over to the other platforms if that was Yeah, because sometimes I get bored with TikTok and I go to Twitter. Sometimes I get bored with Twitter, I go to Instagram. So it, it yeah. keeps my brain active. I got gotcha. you. All right. Well, how do you feel about sharing the gospel? You want to do it or do you want one of us to do it? Oh goodness, sharing the gospel. Give us give give gospel to the people that are listening right and, now that don't and, know it. And, and in your own words, like you don't have to like Yeah, it doesn't have to be like perfect. Scripture or anything. It's just let the Lord lead you. She's preparing. She's preparing a sermon right now before our very eyes, folks. I don't have ooh, I do have a red marker. No, that's not red, but close enough. Words of savvy and red. <laughs> Sam, have you seen House of Dragon? And if so, what's your thoughts as a film critic? House of Dragon? I didn't even watch Game of Thrones. I can only do so much fantasy before I'm like, this is stupid. This is dumb. I don't like it. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen Game of Thrones either. 
Um, yeah, I'm not big on fantasy. No shade to those of y'all who like fantasy. If if you can get into it, I commend you for it. I can't do it. Yeah, the fantasy isn't the problem. It's the pornography of Game of Thrones that was the problem for me. See, I'm so desensitized. Stuff like that doesn't even bother me. It's just like, this is not real. Right. Yeah. This would never so I, happen. Yeah, Logan has to avoid stuff like that. Drew also has to avoid stuff like that. So as soon as I found my buddy was like, yeah, man, all the soft porn is so great. And I was like, I'm watching this show. Thanks. Yeah, we. my wife and I Thanks found the, the, we found a clean version on, uh, we were, um, we were able to stream a clean version, so it cut out all the sex scenes and uh, all the all the nudity and stuff. So, they would what it would do is if they, if there was a scene, they would block out the entire thing and only just have like a part of like the corner, and they would be talking because they wouldn't want you to miss like key context of the because they they'd be giving out key context clues of the story during the sex scenes in the in the show. It's like, what are you doing? It's like. Yeah. You can't fast forward through that. He, he does it on purpose. Yeah. I, that would be a great show. I think we shouldn't have. It's sex a fantastic show without the sex. Think, huh? I think we shouldn't have any sex scenes on TV at all. What do you think? Mm. From a film perspective, I think sometimes that context is necessary. Can we, Depending can, on the story. There, so me and my wife were talking about this. I was like, is there a way to show love on camera without it going to a point of, you know, like on a bed crawling up onto her? her well, her I mean, think of it is this it, way. If you were trying to do a Gen Z love story, you would have to have sex scenes because you have so many young people <laughs> who don't know how to show love apart from physical intimacy. Hmm. So if you were to do a love a movie about Gen Z love with no sex, it's not accurate. So that's kind of to my point, though. Like, I, I was thinking about this in, like, in depth the other day. Like, did, there was a point that the Brady Bunch was, they would show them in separate beds but at night together, right? They would lay in bed next to each other, but the beds are separated. Yeah, so that was very much beds, a thing, though, back then. Right. And then beds got closer. People, like, they showed us being in bed together. And eventually, we, we really do get desensitized. It's like, ah. This is normal. I don't know. And I think now we have an entire generation, right? Gen Z, that's, I don't know how to show love without sex. I don't know. It's like, do you continue to perpetuate it or do you like make it an app, like a, an active proponent to stop doing that to hope that maybe the desensitization goes away and the next generation can be spared from, from it, you know? Like, what do you, what's yeah. the hope? How do you show it and then explain that that love and intimacy while at the same time not causing perversion to escalate in society? Yeah. I mean, I had a similar conversation when Redeeming Love came out because a lot of people were like, the sex scenes were so unnecessary. I'm like, no, they were absolutely necessary to the plot because that's the whole point. She was a prostitute. You know, sex for her was a complete transaction. In order to really show the redemption of sex in her life, you needed to see her go from seeing sex as a transaction to Mm. sex as an act of love and not just something that she had to do in order to survive, but something that she chose to do and not something that she just was there and she was present in, but something that she could participate in seeing that transition was absolutely necessary to the story and in a way helped to explain redemption to a lot of women 
Well, I mean, you you offer a very unique perspective. It's very easy for me to get caught up in my own uh, worldviews and perspectives. So I appreciate that. Well, th this is coming from Logan's perspective of his own conviction, right? His own strongholds that he has to fight against, right? So yeah. Like that, that's that's completely. Amazing. I'm not, <laughs> I would never put that on somebody. It's like, oh, you shouldn't watch that. Like, no, that's that's completely. Well, yeah, it's a you know. It, all things are permissible, not all things are expedient. And God deals with each one of us individually. Uh, I mean, I get it. Like, I can't say, well, every person that looks on a naked person is going to lust like I do. But I do know that I do. So I'm not going to look at a naked person because I know that that's going to cause me to lust. But if you can do it, you know, that's between you and the Lord. It's not up to me. Absolutely. All right. What are you thinking, Savvy? You gonna you Okay. <laughs> So the gospel, in my own words, I mean, you can do, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. I mean, this is how I ex try to explain it to some of my youth kids, my youth girls when I did youth ministry, because I had the most ratchet group of girls on the planet. I mean, you name it, I had that problem in my group and trying to explain to them why you can't go to heaven without accepting Christ. It's trying to explain to them like a house and you have a house with fresh carpet and that's heaven. Heaven is a house with fresh carpet. And then when you come into the house, you have to take your shoes off because you can't track mud into the house. That's the sin. So that's your sin. You can't bring that sin with you. So you need a shoe rack outside and Jesus is kind of like a shoe rack where you can place your sin so that you can step into the house. He can take your filthiness and your dirtiness so that you can step into the house and walk freely and be amongst everyone else and go to whatever room was prepared for you. So another way I tried to explain it to them was that sin is like an infection because we come into the world with the sim nature, correct? We all have certain inclinations and temptations and things that we are more inclined to do. The sin nature that's just in us that we can't get rid of on our own. And God deemed it necessary that in order for us to atone for the sin that we've committed, the shedding of blood is necessary. And then they get into the, well, why does somebody have to die? Why does it have the blood? I said, oh, we, we can't get into that right now, okay? In order for you to atone for your sin, the shedding of blood has to take place because they're teenage girls and they have all the questions in the world. The shedding of blood has to take place. In olden times, they would do this over and over and over and over again. And I think part of the point of that was for God, for God wanted them to see how difficult it was for them to atone on their own, that they can't do it. There's not enough. There's never enough time. So you have Jesus who comes in as the perfect spotless lamb to say, okay, this is what's going to happen. I want you here with me in heaven. I don't want to leave you into with internal, eternal damnation. I want you with me for the rest of my life. That's why I created you because I wanted to commune with you in the garden. I want us to walk together. I want us to be together, but I can't be with you. You cannot enter my holiness. I cannot hold your hand. My holy hand cannot hold yours when you have sin on it. You need to wash your hands. You need to wash yourself clean, but you can't do it on your own. You're never gonna be able to wash your hands enough and be clean enough. So what I've done is I'm gonna send this man over here who is basically me, who is perfect in every single way. His blood is so perfect that all you have to do is kill him once and that'll clean you for the rest of your life. And that'll clean you enough to get you into eternity. So y'all are going to kill him. You're going to, I'm going to let y'all think that it was your idea. You're going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. And what's going to happen is, is he's going to die on that cross for you. 
for the wages of sin is death, something has to die. So either you or a spotless lamb, and I don't want it to be you. So he's a spotless lamb and he's a perfect spotless lamb. So we're going to sacrifice him. We're going to shed his blood. We're going to take his blood and we're going to clean your sins so that you can come home with me. So the gospel is basically saying, I want my children to come home, but I can't come home with dirty shoes. I like it. Yep. That's it. And don't ignore the call of the Lord when you feel that, when you hear the Lord calling your name, answer. You know. There's only one means in which we can be reconciled to the Holy God, and that's through the blood of Christ. Yep. And what better way to live your life to know your creator and to, to have him advocate for you. I'm telling there's no there's no other life to live. The peace and the joy that comes with knowing your knowing your God, your creator that knows everything about you and your best interest. <clears throat> and that in order to be with you, sent himself into the world to die for your sin in order to be with you. So all right. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Savvy, so much for having us on. Let me close out on the YouTube and then we'll get off on the TikToks. Thanks, guys, everybody. Check out the Doctrines of Rad podcast on YouTube. Uh, give us, throw some likes, follows, subscribes, all that other good stuff if you want to. Uh, if not, we appreciate you being here for Savvy. God bless you guys. <laughs> Love you and have a good <laughs> of your evening. Here for Savvy.